Hello, all you body bastards, and welcome to Body Ballads, where we look at many of the forgotten, hilarious, and often dirty old songs. Along the way, we'll explore all those things that make life just a bit more interesting. Things like trickery, infidelity, loving, drinking, fighting. While we dig deep into these songs, we'll also talk about all kinds of things, like archetypes, history, folklore, and share the way these songs connect with the present. A fair warning before we begin, this show does discuss adult themes and topics, including violence, sex, and my own foul mouth. As always, make sure to check the show notes for links to thebodyballads.com uh, where you can share your creations with me and see the show transcripts and additional links if you're curious to learn more. And with that said, let's get into today's episode. And I want to say welcome back, everyone, and sorry for the delay. I have been moving the past week, and things, as they tend to do, went a bit sideways. So I wasn't able to find a moment to sit and pull all this together until this afternoon, but I promise this is a good one. So today we are looking at a ballad called Debauchery Scared, or The Beggar Wench Turned Into a Devil Together with the Policy of a Bumpkin, giving a pleasant account of commercial passages between a country gentleman and a London beggar wench, or in short, (laughs) Debauchery Scared. Before we jump in, though, we do need to talk about some of the slang you're going to hear. Um, the first that stood out to me is the clause, get him a bit for his cat. Now, obviously, cat is some kind of slang, but I hit a wall in searching on slang terms used for cat or cat-related slang terms in the early modern period. Um, but let's be honest, we all know it's dirty. The only way that works coming from a man, though, is to get what a cat eats, which in this time isn't no damn meow mix. Cats eat fish. And now I'm thinking about all the fishy vag jokes I've heard since middle school. Though I'm not 100% happy with this theory because who the hell actually asks for that? Yeah, I'm really into that fishy, smelly puss. Actually, I'm sure there are a handful of people out there who are into that thing and to each his own you do you just not for me anyways that then brings in the idea of early modern cleaning habits so they weren't great and that means i wonder if this kind of like fishy association was much more common then All these questions trying to dig deep into this one slang term for vag has led me to my new favorite site, which is Timeline of Slang on Tumblr, link in show notes and on the website. Uh, Whatever beautiful creature out there created this, I am sending you so many things um, because this is my new favorite thing. Uh, I have linked the vagina slang timeline in the show notes and transcripts, but I'd like to present to you some of my favorites from just the 16th and 17th century. We've got Quiver, Watergate, Pudding, The Gulf. <laughs> 
the Netherlands. The treasury. The low country. Now, I'm going to say, as a southerner who is in love with Charleston, South Carolina, this one does really sing out for me. Next, we got Hey Nani No, The Warming Pan, <laughs> Cecilia Bum Trinket, Madge Howlett, The Keyhole, Jenny Howlett, The Front Room. Lower mouth. Four deck. <laughs> Y'all, it's so hard getting through this. The conundrum. Carnal flap. Flap doodle. The gatehouse. Nether lips. The cauldron. Fancy twit twat. Crankum crankum. Bum fiddle. And finally, the harbor of hope. Of course, there were some that were kind of, what the fuck? Uh, and those that really stood out were, oh, God, beef, leather, etc., commodity, and this one's real weird, poop, <laughs> hell, dripping pan, candlestick, now, this one I really don't get because it's such a, like, phallic thing. But, oh, oh, it's because you put your candle in it. Now I get it. Mm. Auger hole. What's an auger? If you don't know what an auger is, look it up. And also, anyone who watches The Office should be laughing at the question, what's an auger? And finally, apartment to let. Now, some of these are still actually used today, such as bush, honeypot, bunghole, though the hole it refers to has changed, muff, <laughs> meat, which has changed genders, that's more about the penis, uh, bum, again, has changed direction, and finally, the ever-popular twat. Now, Pussy first shows up around 1699, and so now that we've spent way longer talking about Pussy than I ever intended, let's move to the next slang, punk, which is when I learned that the word punk originally meant prostitute. Mumper is just an old word for beggar, though I do think that mumper is far funner to say. And the Add swounds is like an old kind of not quite curse word like Jeepers Creepers or Cheese Louise. Shout out to all my Bob's Burgers fans. Anyways, let's get into this song. A delightful ballad called Debauchery Scared. Tune, Ladies of London. A country gentleman came up to town to taste the delights of the city who had to his servant a jocular clown, accounted to be very witty. His master one night got drunk as a rat and swore he would turn him away, sir, lest he could get him a bit for his cat and into his chamber convey her. Some jolly dame he was willing to have and gave to his bumpkin a guinea. 
who had the wit not to give it, but save the far better part of the money. To find out a punk, he walked in the street and backwards and forwards kept trudging. At last, a young beggar wench he did meet, who was in great want of lodging. Sweetheart, said he, if thou wilt give thy consent to go home and lie with my master, I'll give thee half a crown for thy content and save thee from any disaster. It being late, she fearing the watch, besides it was very cold weather, so that they quickly both made up the match and trudged to his masters together. Bumpkin was arch, and as he homewards did come, he gave her a belt by the way, sir. Then to his master he carried her home, who in a dark chamber lay. Sir, he bid her to be sure, let his master not know by any means she was a mumper. But bid her to rise before daylight and go, or at swounds he would heartily thump her. Bumpkin, his troll, to the chamber he led, and then to his bed took his way, sir. She quickly undressed and groped into bed, and close to the gentleman lay, sir. Eager of joy, he gave her a kiss and hugged her with flaming desire. Gentlemen swore that she smelled so of cheese he could not endure to lie by her. He bid her get up to a place in the room where a bottle stood of rose water and wash her face to take away the fume. Then come into bed again. A bottle of ink there happened to stand, and for the rose water she took it, pouring a spoonful out into her hand. And over her face she did stroke it, then to the joys they eagerly fell, till at last it began to be light, sir. Then looking out, he thought her the devil of hell, and ran out of bed in a fright, sir, crying, the devil, the devil was there. She's been affrighted, ran after in a tattered old smock, crying, where is he, where? Which put all the street in laughter. Now, a good part of me hopes this was based on a true event, like maybe the very end. A country gentleman running out in the street, butt-ass naked, screaming to demons, and followed by a poor prostitute covered in ink. You can kind of picture her. She's clearly the poorest of the poor men, and she was filthy and dressed in rags. I mean, the whole thing happened because she smelled too much like cheese. Cheese. If it was so bad, he couldn't get hard because of it. Your girl stank. Then on top of all that, ink is smeared across her face in a weird kind of demonic war paint. The stink issue has me thinking, does have me thinking back to a cuckold of consent and the miller who couldn't tell it was his own wife he was mounting. So as much as we like to imagine as a culture that women were always seen as weak and dumb while men were smart and strong, that's clearly not the case. Nothing's ever as black and white as that. I'm sorry, but I still find it hard to believe that a man could be that much in the dark, both literally and figuratively, to not tell that it was not a higher class prostitute in his bed, or that the miller couldn't tell it was his own wife's body underneath him. Anyways, 
Let's talk about the servant who at the core is a trickster and tricksters, fools, and prostitutes are often found together. Usually the trickster is the pimp, but there are plenty of double ups as well. You got the trickster prostitute, the foolish trickster, the foolish prostitute, though let's be honest, no way that's ever going to be anything other than a tragedy. You have just three archetypes present, but depending on how they get connected and combined, you get a whole new set of possible storylines. So what happens when a trickster prostitute meets a foolish trickster? Here we have the foolish gentleman and a trickster servant. Before we go digging into this, though, let's refresh a minute on what an archetype is. Joseph Campbell, creator of the hero's journey pattern, refers to archetypes as elemental ideas. That means they are the basic fundamentals of the abstract ideas around us. Things like personality, emotions. That's because Campbell was largely influenced by the works of Jung, who will be making regular appearances, but today is not the day for Jung. Today we are archetyping. These are the key elements that we weave society together with. Character types, such as the sage, who we would call a nerd today. The thing is, the archetypes are fluid, and we move through the natural patterns of growth through our life. For example, we have all, at some time, been the fool. Every time we start something completely new, we are the fool. Hell, I'm in a full moment now creating this podcast. Never done it before. Uh, but I'm going to figure it out as I go along, and I'll get it done. We all have our full moments. We also all have our prostitution moments. Anytime you have gone against your true inner self and nature in order to attain a sense of security or approval from others, that's your whole moment. Pretend to like something you actually don't for the approval of your peers. That's a prostitute moment. My big prostitute moment came when I was still trying to work in public education. I sold bit after bit of my true eccentric, odd, and brilliant self in order to hopefully not rustle any feathers so that I'd get asked back the following year. I let fear control and conform me. I lost so much of myself and it has taken a while to really get back to who I am. It's not a good archetype to be in. No matter the actual circumstances, because in the end, you are letting fear and insecurity rule you, decide for you, and they are some hard-ass masters. So what about the trickster? What's his deal? At his core, he's mischievous, but it's not necessarily good or bad-natured. It depends on the trickster. They are often a bit of troublemakers. Think Kevin and Home Alone. On a smaller scale, think of that friend who is all constantly doing some prank or another. They shake us up and help us set limits on what we will and will not put up with. They are boundary makers. He's the wildness within us. The one who laughs at slapstick. Hell, he's damn Bugs Bunny. He creates confusion, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. He's also one of the most predominant and important archetypes in mythology. Anansi, the spider, a trickster, and storyteller, has always been a figure that has appealed to me. 
The trickster servant pulling one over his master had to be appealing to the working class then. Hell, they are now. How much do we love to watch some dickhead CEO get pulled down? I mean, this is filling the same need as trashy celebrity tabloids and scandal sheets. Shit, as I record this, the Depp Heard trial has finally ended after what feels like two months of constant coverage. I honestly don't know exactly how long it has been, and I'll be honest, I haven't watched anything other than a few clips, and I honestly don't care enough to take 30 seconds to look it up. Though now I think about it, it is another example of the prostitute, fool, and trickster combo. I'm not saying Depp is an actual trickster, but if you combine some of the most memorable roles and his love of Gonzo... Oh, what's Gonzo? Well, it started as a reference to a kind of journalism, but it grew out to represent a kind of life or philosophy embraced by Hunter S. Thompson. Someone who was such a player with reality that there isn't the time here to fully describe what a fantastic example of trickster he is. So I'm going to suggest you use your brain and go look up Hunter S. Thompson. Read his work, understand him, and understand Gonzo, because that is trickster. So I have to ask you to think about what these archetypes look like to you. When have you been embodying one of these archetypes? In what ways can you see the fool, the prostitute, and the trickster interacting? As always, please let all this inspire you somehow. Write a story. Write a new tune for this song. I don't give a shit what you do, but create something. Do something. And as always, I'd love for y'all to share by emailing me at bodyballads at gmail.com. And make sure to check out the website, bodyballads.com, for show notes and additional cool links and other shenanigans. And until next time, stay curious and keep creating. Bye-bye.